0: Good evening, Welcome you to another edition of Meet Me at Your Amusual. I'm your host, Dana Shopto, C70, the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me this week is Alex Prisifuli from, uh, well, you know him from Chirps, you know him from Birds on the Black, you know him as AlexGard79 on Twitter. Alex, how are you doing tonight?
1: Well, you know, as a baseball guy, as, as you just introduced me, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> Had better days, I think, as we've all had better days. But as just a normal guy, I am doing fine.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a good thing not right now to be that guy that only likes – that slips absorbed in baseball that doesn't have anything outside of baseball because, man, those guys have got to be having it rough right now, don't they?
1: Yes, and I, I will say I don't think it really hit me until – the actual announcement that and then Manfred's press conference um, that, you know, they were definitely going to cancel some games, even though leading up to that, it seemed that that was a very real possibility. The reality that really didn't sink in until that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that especially with Monday night and the the OK, they're going to come up with something, you know, it felt like they were getting closer at least the reports were, which may have been one-sided reports um, seems like in, in retrospect, but it did kind of seem like, okay, you know, they've come to that back to the wall. They're going to do this because they don't, you know, they don't want to lose games. They don't, you know, especially after the last two years. And then uh, to, to cut off your nose, to spite your face to some degree, it's, it's really, it's been interesting to watch this and, you know, you and I, remember the last one we remember 94 and what reporting there was, there was a lot different than it is now. Cause I mean, the players are, you know, mm-hmm. putting stuff out there in real time too. Um, it's been very interesting to see, I think this, I don't want to say spin cause it sounds wrong, but the, the perspectives that come out from both sides on all of this stuff, I think feel a lot different than they would, they did in 94.
1: Oh, it, easily, easily. I, I, well, I, I was fifteen in ninety four, so I you know, I didn't quite understand the minutiae of everything that was going on quite like I do now. And I will say on that front, for a casual fan who sort of has their own thing going on and doesn't really get into the weeds maybe like you do or I do, or people uh fangrafts, you know, deeper than certainly I do. And they just want to enjoy baseball and they approach this from the standpoint of, you know what, I don't really care who's right or who's wrong. I'm just mad because I enjoy baseball and this is upsetting that I really don't have a problem with that person, um, even though I know where I think the blame lies. The person I have a problem with is the person whose job it is to know the minutia of what's going on is to get in the weeds and still comes down kind of on the side of, well, you know, the, the players are going to have to, but the players really need to, um, you know, be reasonable here as well. And like, I don't see it that way at all. And I, I think, as you said, I don't think a lot of people are seeing it that way, or at least the circles we run in. And I think it's, Ooh. as you said, a lot different from 94. I mean, the the owners seem to be the ones who are driving this. And one thing that is undeniable, and this is in very simple terms, and that's that Player salaries have started going down, what, starting in 2018, while while day. profits as a whole have pretty much skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's pre-pandemic. That's, I think a lot of people often kind of mask, like, okay, well, you know, around that time, Trout signed whatever contract he did and stuff like that. And it's easy to almost use that as subterfuge for the fact that all these kind of middle class guys have been shut out in the current system. And I, I think... What happened with the Cardinals last year is kind of a perfect encapsulation of everything that's going on in that they looked at a player like Colton Wong, a guy who's gonna cost 12 million, and they decided that they would rather pay for Tommy Edmund and for whatever production that he was going to provide up to, you know, what, 80%, 85%, whatever number you want to you want to give him in terms of the amount of production he was going to provide as compared to uh, as compared to Colin Wong, they decided they'd rather spend the, w- what would have been like one 20th of, of the money. Yeah, B- because that that is kind of where baseball is, he- has been heading for the last few years. And that's a major, major problem. And it's a problem that the owners are are pretty complicit in.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it feels to me, I wrote a little bit about it earlier this week. But to me, it's a little bit of a, it's a symptom of, of also of, of, well, society too, but baseball as well, of this idea that you have to maximize everything, right? I mean, you know, the idea that, you know, we've talked about it and and that's the argument about sabermetrics and I'm not going to really argue that, but the idea that of shifts and things like that, well, it's it's really smart and it's really good to shift all this and, you know, or three true outcomes or whatever the case may be. But then, you know, what what does that turn into the product into? Even though, and there's got to be some balance between being smart and being fun, right? Well, I think that's the same way with like ownership is like they're trying to max out everything, you know, and society has done that too, where we're not willing to, you know, give a little bit on the other. We got to take everything off the table. We cannot possibly let the other person have anything. Um, And that really feels like that's what's gone with this. I mean, there's, you know, for what you know, everybody keeps saying what the players have offered is a really good deal for the owners. You know, the owners should be offering, you know, you would have thought they'd have offered that to some degree and they would be arguing, but they won't even take that. I mean, it's really hard to see how this thing even resolves when, you know, after nine days of watching guys walk across a parking lot in Jupiter, you know, eventually Major League Baseball, you know, tried to cut like a million dollars off of a, of a CBT uh, threshold. You know, how does this thing get fixed?
1: I don't know. It's almost as though the current structure with team control needs to evolve with the way baseball has been going in terms of, um, you know, Unfortunately, we don't have as many dumb people running teams anymore who are paying Mm -hmm. players after their prime. Um, And obviously, you know why that's a problem. It's a problem because a lot of these guys aren't becoming, you know, don't become rookies until they're 24 years old. And so they're not going to reach free agency until they're 30. When conventional wisdom tells you that that's the age when people stop. Wanting to pay you a lot of money, <laughs> um, not, the the elite players like the Juan Sotos and Harpers uh, will be fine in this system because one they're going to get called up earlier, and two they are that good, and so people will pay for them. It's it's goes back to kind of what I said earlier. It's it's more those middle class guys who really suffer under this system. Um, I I was texting back and forth with a friend. Uh, was it Monday night when this all went down? I don't even remember now. Monday night
0: That's was the crazy. night they went late into the night and then Tuesday okay. the day they decided to cancel everything.
1: It, it would have been Tuesday then. And I I basically said that I think this ownership group and Manfred as kind of the mouthpiece for them is one of the most short-sighted groups of people I've ever seen in terms of only being able to see that kind of dollar in front of them and not have any sort of sense of how to... I, I, I don't like to use this phrase because it gets used so often, but not having any idea of how to actually grow the game and seeing mm-hmm. the possible dollar signs 20 years down the road that would come from knowing how to grow the game.
0: Yeah, and and then, and of course, we're, we're also painting with a broad brush because we, it's fair, I think, to some degree. But then we see the articles today where, you know, there are a section of owners that are much more entrenched on doing things than maybe the rest of them are. Um, And that becomes another thing. And and that's one of the things we've seen that kind of harkens back to somewhat of the old system as well, right? The small markets and the big markets kind of fighting each other and then fighting the players. Um, And so you've got to kind of circle all those wagons, but you know, that, you know, when, and I know it's gotta be extremely frustrating when you, you know, like when you're a Reds fan right now, I mean, you've seen them try to cut salary and cut salary. And then you find out that, you know, one of your owners is the ones that's, you know, thinking that, that, you know, that offer that was kind of laughable to start with was even too generous for them to be offering. Um, you got to start wondering, you know, that's just frustrating. I mean, I know we complain somewhat about Bill DeWitt, especially because of his hand in putting Rob Manfred in the position that he's in. But I don't know that we've ever gotten to the point where, you know, he's really wanting to, you know, spike everything um, just to spike the players.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I've never with Bill DeWitt said, man, I really wish we had Mark shot in here right now. <laughs> um, that, that would be <laughs> – and and. and I that, that, that tells you where Red's current ownership is. That <laughs> just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's how some people feel who are who are Red's fans. Um, kind of on that front, Joe Sheehan said something that was really interesting that is obvious on its face that I'd never quite thought about, though. And I think this would pique your interest because I know we've discussed this, and I think this is kind of what you view as kind of the prime time of of baseball in terms of fandom, at least, which is that when they went to divisions and so they started actually having playoff baseball instead of the just pennant winners immediately meeting in the world series
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they went to that, but before they expanded it. So from when did that begin in 61,
0: 62, uh, somewhere there, was the, later the,
1: than that? but you might be right. But whatever it was until the early until 95 or whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you would think especially you know, after expansion in 69 and again in the early 70s or, or whatever, you would think that would create a system where teams like the Yankees and Dodgers would really kind of rise to the top, right? Because you yeah. had to win the division to, to make the playoffs. And to win the division, that meant you had to be the best team over 162 games in your seven, possibly eight-team division. But that's not what happened. If you look at the parody from like the early 70s until the early 90s, it's different and and pretty impressive as as compared to today. I mean, the Cardinals won three pennants in the 80s and their opponents in the World Series were the Brewers, the Royals and the Twins, which which are not, you know, big market teams. The Reds won a World Series during this time. The Pirates won a World Series during this time.
0: Oh, the Baltimore one of the big... won
1: a World Series during this time. The and it's one Jays... of the
0: worst times for the Yankees, too. I mean, yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah.
1: absolutely. Uh, the Blue Jays. Now, uh, wait, do we consider Toronto a small market? I don't even know how that works. Ooh,
0: I, I don't probably know. probably
1: shouldn't in theory. I mean, it's like the size of Chicago. But the you know what I mean. The Blue Jays yeah. won back-to-back World Series in the early 90s. And this was a, during a time when only four teams made the playoffs. And... I I bring this up because one, I had not thought about that before, even though I probably should have, it it probably Mm -hmm. wasn't an accident that that at least to me seemed like the better brand of baseball as compared to today. Um, but I also bring it up because I think it's not an accident that that's when baseball was at its peak popularity. I, I, at least, at least in my lifetime. Um, People really remember those playoff teams. If you if you made the playoffs, you were one of the final four teams, you were kind of etched in history in a way that you weren't necessarily in other sports. Like, if you made the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA in 1998 or 1988, no one quite remembers that as the same as, look, you know, in 1988, the Dodgers and Mets played in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. At least... From my standpoint, that's how I see that. Um, And I think I'm just so worked up about this because, and I I know you saw this too because you you tweeted about it. This idea of expanding the playoffs further, Mm -hmm. something obviously the owners want because I think we all can rightfully assume then they won't have to spend as much money to build a team that will make the playoffs. To expand to 14 teams to me, is just, a really, is just a really violation of what I view as Major League Baseball.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that was probably when we saw um, that being bandied about, even the, any expansion, but especially to the 14, is when I was like, uh, you know, Alex and I have to get out here and um, be grumpy <laughs> old men or, or whatever well, and complain about this stuff. D-
1: do you feel that's reached a point where now it's a matter of, when and not if?
0: Oh, I, well, I mean, it's obviously, I mean, they're going to go to 12 at least. I mean, there's no doubt that when the CBA gets signed, there's at least 12. Um, I think that at some point they'll go to 14, although I don't know that they'll do that until they expand by a couple of teams. But yeah, I mean, and it, it is, it's just about money. It's hard for me. You know, Seattle has not made the playoffs in what, 20 years, something like that. Got real close mm-hmm. this year, but they have not made it. I mean, if they're the, you know, the seventh team in in the in the American League, does that, I mean, if you're a Mariners fan, are you really excited about making the playoffs after 20 years after that? I mean, maybe, but it still feels like it doesn't really mean anything. You, you know, you won more games than you lost and that's basically all you have to do to get in the playoffs. And that just doesn't, for, for baseball, for a thing that's going to go 162 games you know, it shouldn't be that way. It's just, you should have to be, you should have to be good to be in the playoffs. And right now, if this expansion, even, even at 12, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be, I mean, you have to be good, but not even real good. I,
1: I, I think we've seen, you don't even have to be real good to make the playoffs at 10. True. True. And it, I, I, I think ten, at least for me, is kind of the max limit of where mm-hmm. it's still kind of if you squint, feels like how it should feel. I, I I'm trying not to be dramatic here, so call me out if this is just beyond the pale. But you know, I think about what would just ruin my fandom or at least like put my fandom in jeopardy. And number one would certainly be like the Cardinals leaving St. Louis.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah going to some other city, which luckily I, you know, never say never, but that seems like that would not happen.
0: <laughs> Probably <laughs> not I, in your I, lifetime, at least. For I, I
1: certainly hope not. Um, second, or at least competing for a second, honestly, is expanded playoffs. Hmm. Uh, and, and not that it would kill my fandom, but what I consider a core part of my fandom is this idea that, Okay, it's seven o'clock, it's time to watch baseball yep. um, every night, <laughs> you, you know, when you can at least during the season. And I don't know if I will have that urge. I can't imagine I'll have that urge if I feel as though the Cardinals will make the playoffs by winning 84 games and that they have constructed a roster or a roster to do exactly that.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's you know a very good possibility that the Cardinals, you know will maybe aim for that 84, 85 86 spot because it doesn't that kind of feels like what they're aiming for now, maybe 88 or so. Um, you know, sometimes you're benefited by the fact that half your division isn't trying. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that you know, I think about even last year, before the 17 game winning streak, and we were still kind of all blah about that team, and we've—I think a lot of us still were like, even if they get in the playoffs, you know, that doesn't really mean anything, right? I mean, it was like, eh, okay, fine. Now when they won seventeen in a row, we got a little bit more excited about the team, only to see them flame out. But um, still, it's—it's it's like if you're just going to kind of limp your way into October, I don't know how excited as a fan base I am over that last, you know, week ten days when you're you're a game out of first, but you're also a game out of, you know, a sub 500 record. Um, and maybe, maybe it's different. You know, I still haven't necessarily acclimated myself to the wild card, especially not two of them, (laughs) but I will say that, you know, we have kind of gotten a little bit excited about the wild card races at times, even if they feel Mm -hmm. like a consolation prize, but, it is. You're right. I, I can't imagine that there's going to be that excitement about getting in uh, in a in a year where it doesn't really take anything. Now, I could well, go ahead.
1: Well, no, I was just going to say, I think another key problem is that playoff baseball often doesn't 100 percent resemble the same baseball we watch in the regular season a, a good mm-hmm. example of that would be the way uh B- madison bumgarner was used in 2014 and they they essentially rode him to a world series title and for good reason he was incredible right. um but i i could always kind of brush that away because i at least felt the teams that were there deserved to be there if there's a team that I, I was about to say, if there's a team that makes a playoffs with like 83 wins and, you know, of course, <laughs> of course that harkens back to 2006 Cardinals. Right. But right. you know what I'm saying? If there's a team that makes a playoffs that just is not good, but they have that one pitcher and they're mm-hmm. able to to put something together in those couple weeks and win the World Series, that's going to feel a little cheap to me. Yep. And, and maybe... I sound full of crap being a St. Louis Cardinals fan of a team that won the world series with uh, 83 wins. Although I will defend that team to the death yep. and explain why I think they're better than that, but that's not really relevant now, but you get my point, right? At least it, it, it even though playoff baseball is played a bit differently and, and, isn't always exactly what we see in July. I was always fine with it for the most part, because they those teams had earned their place there. And so mm-hmm. if all of a sudden they're playing a slightly different game, then that's fine because everyone is, is, is doing that. Everyone is kind of on an even playing field. Um, if a team that I didn't quite feel had earned that trip to the playoffs and was able to Madison Bumgarner their way to a title, that just would not sit well with me, right. I think. Unless it's the Cardinals, of course, <laughs> at which point I would... Uh, be very defensive about it and explain why it's a completely legit title to anyone who would listen.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, that's fair. And, and, and to be, and to be fair to, for those, to that 2016, they won their division, you right. know, they yes. did not sneak in on the wild card, you know, cause they won their division. I mean, and you're right. We can sit and defend that team quite a bit um, going forward, but um yeah, I think you're right. I mean, especially when you look at a, you know what, what they're talking about, I and mean, the whole structure of this expanded playoffs sounds like a mess to me. Um, you know, I can understand a little bit. Like currently, we have ten teams make the playoffs, but after the first game, you're down to eight, right? Because you get the wild card one game playoff. I mean, that's at least something. I think because it's like it's not like you're stretching this thing out.
1: It is still at its core kind of feels like what was implemented in 95.
0: Right. Right. You know, you're still two series go for it. But now, I mean, if they're talking best of three in the first round, but then you're going to have, you know, two teams sit out for a week before they play. I mean, I just don't, that just feels wrong. And then this idea that they're floating like this, team would go in with a 1-0 lead even though they hadn't played a game yet i mean it's just like what are we doing i mean why this game has survived for so many years and i know we've tinkered somewhat with this postseason format but it really feels like you're kind of starting to tear into that fabric a lot and yeah what comes out may not be as recognizable as what went in
1: I feel as though I really should have boycotted the playoffs in 2000 and uh, gosh, 2020 when they mm. did expanded the playoffs. Just to, just as a warning that, okay, I understand why you're doing this now, but don't do this ever again. Right. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and we we thought about that at the time. I think didn't we? When we had this idea that they're going to see that extra money, and you know that's yeah that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Once they have a chance to have extra money on the table, they're going to do everything they can to get to it. Um, whether it's good for the game, good for, you know, everything, anything or not, they're not really concerned about that. And it kind of goes also to the idea that, you know, the, we're a little bit fortunate in St. Louis again. The DeWitts have been in baseball for generations now. I mean, Bill Dewitt with the third is third generation in there. A lot of these places, you know, the Braves are owned by a corporation. The Blue Jays are owned by a corporation. A lot of these people are just bought by people that wanted an investment, something that was going to make them money. They weren't necessarily worried about the baseball side of things. Um, There was a clip that went around this week about, uh, I think it was the Ricketts, and you know, came up with the Cubs were up for sale, and he's like, "I'm not a baseball fan. Why would I want the Cubs?" And they're saying because they it appreciates and it makes money and all this. You know, it's like, oh, well, now you've got my attention, you know. I think when we were back in the, you know, for better or for worse, you knew George Steinbrenner wanted to win ball games. Um, oh, a- was, a-
1: absolutely. I, I yeah. Mean,
0: yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying he, you know, may not have gone about it right, and you know, got himself suspended from baseball a couple of times. <laughs> but you know, it's it still. I mean, he went out and he spent money, or he did whatever, and they tried to win ball games. And you know, I think you had those some of those other owners that would tend to be at least, you know, that was their team instead of this conglomeration that is now it's just another asset.
1: Yeah. I've long pointed to the writings of, of Rob Mains at baseball prospectus on this subject because he covers it very well, in my opinion, in that he always frames it as if you buy a sports team, uh, especially at this level, like a, a major league baseball team, that's tantamount to a vanity purchase. That mm-hmm. is not just like, I, I want to invest money because I want to make a ton of money. That is the type of purchase that some thought and care should go into. Just like if you're buying uh, fine art to stick in your living room, you're not buying yeah. that because you're hoping to flip it in 10 years and make X amount of money, or you're hoping to somehow, um, you know, invest in real estate around it, which will appreciate a ton. Um, You're, you're making a vanity purchase. You get to uh, be on TV. You get to be in the locker room after the big wins. Uh, You get champagne poured on you if they win the world series, all (laughs) that. So if your main goal is only to maximize your profits, um, then you shouldn't be buying a baseball team. Yeah. Uh, th- that doesn't mean you shouldn't be concerned about making money. Cause that's, I'm not expecting people who have this amount of cash in the first place <laughs> to not care about making money. Of course they're going to care about making money. But when we're seeing the type of owners, at least that I feel we're seeing now, which are just kind of a very, I don't know, prototypical stereotype businessman instead of mm. like someone, as you said, w- with the with the Ricketts example, who just flat out loves baseball. I don't know a ton about, um, I don't know if you ever read that book about, uh, Anheuser-Busch called dethroning the King. Um, mm-hmm. but, but there's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting book. It's, it's way more about the beer than it is about the Cardinals. There's only a little bit about the Cardinals in there, but they do talk about Gussie Bush who was, who was not a perfect person by any means, uh, <laughs> nor was he a perfect owner by any means but he at least lo- he at least liked baseball right. um and i i i don't feel that way about a lot of the owners i don't know you know when manfred first got the gig and he started talking about banning the shift and all of this and people started saying like well this guy hates baseball i remember thinking like well that's a silly thing to say of course he doesn't hate baseball of course he likes baseball no commissioner of baseball would not love the sport. Well, I, I, I doubt he hates baseball, but I'm pretty open to the idea that he's pretty agnostic about the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, that he, that he's way more a uh, labor lawyer than he is, uh, uh, you know, baseball fan since he was a little kid. Um, just because he seems so, and and he speaks for the owners a lot here. So I'm kind of putting all 30 owners under this Manfred umbrella, but they just seem so disinterested or clueless when it comes to what people really love about the game. I mean, you saw that quote from Manfred about like, we, you know, we listened to our fans and we heard them uh, about wanting this expanded playoffs. Um, (laughs) Look, I I know we're in a bubble and everyone's kind of in their own bubble, but I don't believe that for a second. I do not believe for a second that, he heard from a conglomerate of fans who really wanted expanded playoffs.
0: No, I, I just
1: I just kind of zigzagged from the uh, original thing about like the vanity purchase to back to expand a playoffs just because I hate it so much. But I, I think you know where I'm going.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think that I mean it is it it is that idea of like granted, just like you, you don't want them not to make money because if they don't make money they don't put a team on the field eventually, right? I mean, th- there's got to be profitable for them to do this. But, you know, there's a difference between $100 million and $300 million or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, maybe that's just me, poor me thinking, you know, <laughs> I would know the difference, but, you know, and I would be fine with, you know, like $10 million, you know, much less $300 million. But, you know, they live in different worlds and I don't know, but I still feel like there's there's a way to say, look, we're doing fine. Let's not ruin things by grabbing for, for more. Um, but, you know, again, some of that is, you know, because I think it, again, tying it back to the way the game has changed to some degree in that idea of maximizing your efficiency and making sure you get everything done. you know, some of that is old man, the element cloud too. Right. I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty obvious that baseball is going down the wrong path and it sure seems to be, but you know, in 10 years or 15 years, will anybody notice? I mean, I feel like when we would have had this discussion in, in 94, 95, that, and it took a while for people to come back, but now to some degree baseball's like it never, that never happened.
1: Well, let me ask you something. You just said 10 years, 15 years. Let's fast forward to 15 years and let's say, because I don't think this is beyond the realm of possibility. Let's say 15 years from now, baseball is behind football, which it probably has been my entire cognizant lifetime. Even in the Mm -hmm. eighties, I I think NFL had kind of already asserted.
0: It was much closer then, but maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, behind let's say it's behind basketball which uh i don't know the ratings i don't know the q scores or whatever but there's a good chance Mm -hmm. it's behind basketball right now and let's say it's behind soccer which again it's not right now but 15 years from now is a long time especially Mm -hmm. with uh this uncertain future baseball has but let's say in 15 years from now In spite of that, baseball is back in a way that we find to be palatable, enjoyable, whatever. Does it matter to you that, what would it matter to you that even though it's back, even though it's the sport we love to watch every night, it's not what it was in terms of popularity in the 80s? Like, what does that, how much does that matter to you in terms of your relationship with the sport? Because I don't know my answer to that question. Sometimes I think it matters a lot. And sometimes I think like, well, if I'm having a decent time, I don't really care what the general public thinks about baseball.
0: Well, I may be coming at this a little bit differently because, you know, I grew up through the seventies and eighties as a huge star Wars fan. And that was not exactly as popular as it is these days. So I would like to say that, I don't think my personal relationship with the sport would matter um, because I'm used to not being hip and with it at all. Um, Now I would like to see baseball be a sport that is, you know, much more popular. I mean, one, because, you know, in my opinion, it's really the only sport that matters, but also just because, you know, there's some great things that happen and, and you want it, to be accepted. But I don't think you, at least I don't think I need it to be accepted like that. I think that, you know, again, am I going to be as passionate about it? um, You know, 15 years from now, if things continue the way they are, maybe not. Uh, Then again, I might still be doing this podcast, who knows, (laughs) but I think I would still be watching it at least in some level, even if it was some regional sport that, you know, you find on ESPN four, um, you know, at midnight or something like that.
1: Yeah. I really don't know. I, I do think.
0: But you're more well-rounded than I am. Cause you have other sports that you watch that I don't typically, you know, I, invest in.
1: Yeah. Th- I, I do appreciate you during during football season. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Chicago <laughs> bears fan and an Illinois, uh, fan for college football which means i'm just miserable during football season um (laughs) i I do appreciate your just downright nastiness or pessimism towards football um because one usually on my timeline that's just from like uh very bitter for good reason rams fans Um, (laughs) but you you dislike football in a way that i appreciate um i i think uh uh you know, he and I don't agree a ton uh, politically, but G- George will had a great quote about football where he basically said, um, <laughs> football. Do you know this quote? Yeah. Football. Yeah. I know. not go ahead. Okay. Football. I think he said football captures the worst about this country. Um, excessive violence and frequent committee meetings or yeah. something yeah. like yeah. that. Which...
0: Violence punctuated above committee meetings. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah is, uh, exactly.
1: that is a great quote. Michael. I love that one. Um, <sighs> But in spite of that, though, in spite of the fact that, you know, I I, I love Illinois basketball, perhaps as much as I love Cardinals baseball. Um, there's still nothing that has given me as much joy. Starting from back when I first started getting into sports till now as Cardinals mm-hmm. baseball and, and nothing really comes close. Uh, and, and and that includes, you know, growing up a Bulls fan's a bulls fan and having the, you know, Michael Jordan and stuff like that. Um, right. It just the relationship with baseball always felt a little different just because it was there. It's there so frequently it's there every mm-hmm. night that, and it, I'm t- not trying to sound silly, but it really does feel like it's more of a part of you than other sports. Um, and so in that sense, I think I would be a little bummed if baseball kind of continues on this trajectory where it's not quite on, um, I guess the national consciousness um, as it once was, even if I still found the sport very palatable, just because I think there is something really special about baseball. Um, Maybe not as much as it used to be when it was so much easier to go to games and, and stuff like that. But, I I do still think it's a sport that has something that the others do not. Um,
0: You have young kids. Yes. Right. I I mean. Don't remind me. (laughs) um, How is it for them? How have they gotten into this sport or have that? I know that y'all have gone to some games and things of that nature. Is that something that they're like really obsessed with or is it just kind of a, a thing that's there
1: it's it's more of a thing that's there i live in washington dc they're both nationals fans which i will allow i think that's fair that they grow up mm-hmm. here that they can certainly cheer for that team um and the nationals happened to win the world series when my son was four uh and while he wasn't watching any of the games he was hearing about it the next day for me and he was excited just because when you're four, it's easy to get excited about things when you're told that, hey, you should be excited. Um, exactly. But what I'll tell you, though, is they don't watch any Nationals games for the reason that you might expect, because they can't. They are blacked mm. out in yeah. in D.C. And I have, I have YouTube TV, which does not have the NAT station. Only one cable outlet. Only one provider has the mason network masson network whatever it's called that has nats games um and i don't have that because it's very very expensive and right. i have mlb tv which doesn't get nats games um which seems like a violation <laughs> like i like it seems even though i'm not a nats fan i feel as though i should be able to turn on nats games if i live in the city where they play exactly uh, and I, 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 I don't know how big of a problem the blackouts are. I think you'd have to be really naive to say they're not a problem at all. I think you'd have to be maybe on the other end of the spectrum if you think they're the worst thing about baseball right now. Um, but I do think that's a big problem. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, so... I don't know if if they're going to be big baseball fans like I am, like you are. Uh, I don't know if that'll have to do with the blackouts or it'll have to do with pace of play, which was not as much of an issue when we were growing up. I, I know I, I don't know if you do this, but anytime I'm looking at an old baseball, re- uh, an old game on like Baseball Reference that that I may have gone to like in the late '80s mm-hmm. or something like that, I always look at that the the time it took. Yeah, always. You know, it's always like two hours and like 35 minutes or or something like that, Um, which is funny because I remember going to games back then and I would have preferred them to last five hours.
0: Uh, You know, I I,
1: I would have I would have wanted to be there all day. Um, And so I don't know if it's a product of getting older and you no longer want to sit at a ballpark for five hours or if it's because the there's just not as much action. So five hours. Uh, is not as fun of, as five hours would have been in the late '80s. I really don't know, um, but to answer your question, I, I don't know if they're going to be baseball fans. I certainly hope so. Um, they uh, they know I'm a big Cardinals fan and all that, uh, but you know we'll see.
0: Yeah, yeah. The blackout thing is 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 so huge now. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't for us. I mean, because you know you had TV and you if you didn't live close to them, like, you know, for me, if I, for MLB TV, I'm blacked out of St. Louis games, which is you know slightly ridiculous, but you know, back then it wouldn't have made any sense. Why would I have the Cardinals on my TV? I'm not that close, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that you're streaming and, and now that people are getting their stuff that way, you've got to be able, cause yeah, you're right. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense that you can watch Seattle And you can't watch the team that's, you know, a mile down the street. Um, That just doesn't make sense. I don't know that they're going to fix it. I don't know how they're going to fix it. I think at some point they're going to have to, but, um, but that's, yeah, that doesn't help. Um, You know, I have a, my son's a a junior. Um, My daughter's a little bit younger than that. Um, And he played baseball, but he's never been a huge guy. Now he doesn't. I no, mean, he won't watch it. I mean, he, he, if it was on, he would watch some of it with me, but he'd be watching, he'd be on his phone the whole time anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Um, so I, I just, I wonder, I do wonder about the generation that they're trying to reach. I mean, there is, obviously, I'm not going to say that, you know, when we've, you know, when we're 70 or 80, that baseball is not going to be anything because we're the only people watching it. But I, I got to feel like that's a lot of what this problem of, going up against basketball going up against football is is because they're just it's not become accessible for younger because like you said because of blackouts because of expense because of stupid things like lockouts you know there's a there's there's some people that never came back after 94 and that's a generation that's lost you know so you put all that together you know and it's hard to see a really, really bright future for the baseball. I mean, it can be fine. It's going to still be a major sport, but, you know, Mm -hmm. unless the NFL somehow implodes with all this, you know, concussion stuff and everything else, um, I think it's just going to be, you know, that takes up all the oxygen, right? I mean, Major League Baseball canceled games this week and it barely got airtime because what they're trying to talk about the combine or something. So, (laughs) I mean... (sighs) you know it's hard to it's hard to live in that atmosphere it's kind of the nfl's world and everybody's just kind of taking whatever scraps that are out there
1: well when when we were growing up and gosh i i feel as i'm gonna listen to this tomorrow and be like yeah I, I just would not shut up about how great things used to be when i was growing up um
0: but well, that's but why there, i got you on here we're gonna go, you know <laughs> there were the so point. many things
1: that pulled you into the sport uh Baseball cards, for instance. Now I know mm-hmm. there's been a resurgence in the card industry in recent years, but it's it's different.
0: Yeah, and when similar. I say
1: it's different, it means there aren't like baseball card shops. I, it's it's hard to even find cards now. Um, it's mm-hmm. more about it's more of a business than being able to go to the store with two dollars and come back with four packs of cards like it used to be. So you had that. You also had um, stats that you could follow a little bit easier than I think we do today. Like Mm -hmm. people cared about who led the league in stolen bases back then. Um, People cared about, you know, who led the league in RBIs. I mean, like really cared about this stuff. (laughs) And for a while I would remember, you know, if you would ask me in 95 who led the league in RBIs and like the, the, five previous years before that, I probably would have been able to rattle it off. Like those are just things you remembered. Um, mm-hmm. And in, I think one mistake baseball has made, at least in terms of how they present the game is that with the kind of statistic statistical revolution, which has been awesome at least for me, because it kind of gave me a whole nother way to love baseball again. Um, and it taught me so much more about baseball and how to, you know, value players differently than I, I used to, uh, you know, Ray Lankford is a prime example of a guy that we probably didn't appreciate as much as when he played Mm -hmm. as, as we do now. And it's nice to see that he's finally getting the credit that he probably should have been getting back then. Um, so that's great. But I think the problem is it really kind of created this sort of like idea that you can't still be a traditional fan um, and and be a, the right kind of baseball fan. Um You know, if I, I talk to people, some friends all the time who, who will still say like, uh, you know, is, is this guy really that good? He only hits 250. And I or he's only batting 260. And in my head, I'm thinking like, no, dude, come on. How are you still saying things like this? (laughs) Um, But I, I think there should be room in the sport for people who still look at baseball that way, because I think that is so important to fandom to be able to track a batting race to be able to just say a, a home run race or, or whatever um and i do think kind of the emphasis on um analytics has kind of pushed that aside i think the nba professional basketball has done a much better job of appreciating kind of these new stats along with the old stats um, and not kind of pushing out kind of the old school people um and not kind of like talking down to them, even though a lot of them do need to be talked down to at times <laughs> yeah. um, when they're being jerks about it. But just for people who are just who that's how they sort of digest the sport, you know, like, look, I grew up on batting average uh, home runs and RBIs and I'm going to stick to that. Hey, great. That's, that's totally fine. Um, uh, and if you're not being a jerk about it, then there's no reason for people to be a jerk to you. Um Unfortunately, I don't think that has permeated necessarily throughout all of baseball uh, in terms of how people kind of with the statistical revolution treated fans like that. And I don't know if if that has hurt a lot. I feel like it has. But I also feel as though without as much um, emphasis on some of those stats and, and some of these like, you know, fun things that we used to follow that that also doesn't bring in kids like it used to when we were growing up.
0: Yeah. Um, I, 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 I always said, I'm just a little bit too old because the sabermetric revolution came by after I was like through college and stuff. I think if it had been in, when I was a little bit younger, I could have like really grabbed into it. Now it's like, I understand how important it is, but I always don't always like know the scales very well you know like okay is this you know is is 10 more reasonable no it's not okay okay fine um you know that kind of stuff um but you're right i think that it's there should be a little bit of room for the old stuff but uh, you know again i don't know what the thing is because i don't know if kids coming up you know yeah, do they, do, do they know, do they, you know, memorize war stats? It's like we did, you know, batting average and, and home runs and stuff like that nature. It, it doesn't feel like that as much. It doesn't feel like you, I don't, I mean, I don't remember the last time I looked at a leaderboard at the end of a year, right? Uh, who who led certain categories? I couldn't I, I had no idea
1: who led uh, the league last year in home runs. And that would have been unimaginable. Uh, yeah, uh, back when, like, like, you just always knew who led the league in home runs. You always knew who won the bat. I have home runs. If you give me enough time, I'll, I'll remember. But batting title, no idea, no idea. I mean, I, 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 I don't even know who led the Cardinals in batting.
0: Yeah, true too. And the, and the part of it's also gotten to, and I think this is going to happen even more so in the uh, coming future, especially if they when, if, if, when they put the the DH in there, the leagues don't, aren't separate anymore. Right. I mean, we, we could remember who led the national league and who led the American league. And now it's like, I have trouble remembering who's in what league, you know, because it's all kind of uh, the same thing. Um, I thought I'd pull this up. Let's see home runs. uh, Oh, or Fernando Tatis jr. Led the league in led the national league in home runs last year. How how many Um, did he hit? 42.
1: Okay. Had no idea.
0: No, no. I, mean, I
1: certainly knew he had a lot of home runs, uh, but had no idea.
0: Like, like, Adam, uh, Adam Duvall was second with 38. None. <laughs> okay. no, never. Yeah.
1: That I never would have guessed that. I, I I did just look up that Paul Goldschmidt led the Cardinals in batting it with a 294 average.
0: Okay. Well, Arnauto and um, Tyler O'Neal tied for seventh in home runs in the National League. So, okay. um Unsurprisingly, Tommy Edmond led the league in at bats but that's a whole nother thing. um yeah it's just it's it's weird yeah it, Adam Duval led the league and runs batted in and I think I knew he had a good year <laughs> but yeah I don't know and part of that's for me I, I will say part of that when I was in high school college you know I played fantasy baseball I really could tell you like who was on every team you know and as I've gotten older probably because I just don't have the attention span or the time, you know, the focus has always been on the Cardinals now or to the, to the really the detriment of knowing anything else. And I don't, I don't think that's a baseball problem. I think that's a meat problem.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it's tough. I, I always knew a lot of, about the national league. But I didn't know a lot about the American League. One, because I just never saw the American League play unless it was the All Star Game or the playoffs. Um, and two, I because I knew the National League players more, I collected more of their cards. So I knew their, I knew like Tony Gwynn and uh, Strawberry Gooden. I knew their stats so much better than I did like their counterparts in the major in the American League, like Wade Boggs mm-hmm. or Roger Clemens, things like that. Um, so. It's weird. So I, I definitely knew a lot about the National League back then, um, but I didn't have what I have now, which is a website like Fangraphs in front of me, which, which sort of can do all the work for me with leaderboards and show me who's really having a good season with the click of a, you know, click of a mouse. Um, you know, the, the closest thing we had to baseball reference back then was the back of a baseball card. Uh, so...
0: So it doesn't sound like paper every, every week or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't sound like I'm just like complaining about how great things used to be like, man, baseball reference is one of the greatest things in the history of the internet. Um, And something uh, that I I think my life would be uh, less complete if it were to go, if it were to go away, the amount of (laughs) enjoyment I get from that website. And, you know, that's, that's something that did not exist. 20 years ago? When did that? When did baseball reference become a thing? I remember when I, when someone first explained it to me that you could go on this website and find any game that not only you've been to, even a game that was 20 years ago, but basically any game that's ever happened almost, I almost looked at them like they were insane that this couldn't possibly be true. Um, And then it was a guy at work and he started showing me around and I was like, wait, so I was like, the very first game I went to was that, was this game where Tommy Herr hit a Grand Slam, a uh, walk-off Grand Slam, and the fans all threw their seat cushions on the field. Could I find that game? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could find that game. He's like, when was it? I was like, 1987. Um, and he <laughs> went to 1987, and then, and then, you know, in the list, I could tell from the score, like, that's the game. And, you know, he clicked on this, clicked on the box score, and I could not believe what I was seeing. Yeah. Uh, like, like I, it still blows my mind that there is a website that has all this information on it. Uh, <laughs> um, and so in that way, like, things like baseball reference, things very much outside of Major League Baseball's control has really improved my fandom or helped my fandom, helped facilitate my fandom, I would say, over the last 15 years. Uh, but again, that's something very much outside of Major League Baseball's control not something they did something a very,
0: uh, someone with a lot of ingenuity did. Um, um baseball reference went online, April, 2000, April, so.
1: 2000. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think I first I mean, heard about it in like, Oh eight or something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure it took, it took a while to, to build up. I remember retro sheet even before that, for that kind of thing for finding games and stuff um before i think i stumbled on the baseball reference um but yeah I, I you know it's a different world and it and always is you know there's always going to be adjustments to it but it is it is hard to see what's going on in baseball right now as something that positive stuff is going to come out of because You know, again, as people have pointed out in this lockout, it's not about structural changes. It's not about, you know, huge things here and there. It's really just about money and about shifting, you know, money to younger players or, or, you know, setting up the, um, the thresholds for salaries. Um, I gotta say, I admit, it's very funny for me to have these owners that are complaining about the, the levels, because they're never going to get there. They always, you know, it's not like they're like, oh, well. You talk um, about the CBT, 200- right? Yeah, the CBT. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's two hundred and thirty million. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if it's two hundred and thirty million or five hundred million. You're only going to spend like one hundred and ninety-five yeah. million. So, what does it matter? But, um, and yeah, I, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems
1: like the the problem with the CBT is it has created a kind of imaginary salary cap Mm -hmm. as people have noted but without any sort of floor right so it allows for teams like the yankees to exist with a team like the pirates um and so on uh but yeah you're right like it's just owners in my opinion being very just greedy and not wanting to share with the actual product like like Right. The players aren't just the labor. They are the product. And the fact that revenues have gone up, uh, you know, uh, you know this all kind of gets thrown into flux with 2020. Um, right. But whatever. Uh, for the most part, rev- we all know re- revenues are skyrocketing or at least are doing very well. And that the players, medium player salaries has, has been decreasing for the last couple of years. I mean, that in and of itself... Is is a very big problem, and the fact that the owners seemingly aren't going to budge over what should be not a lot, not a huge piece of the pie, at least as far as they're concerned. Um, yeah, has me very concerned because I don't think the players are going to budge, and frankly, I don't want them to. Um, mm. I, I, I want them to stick to the guns as their guns as best as they can, which is scary because that's going to mean possibly, I don't know. I I mean, it's hard to see right now. I think this is what you were getting at a second ago. It's hard to see a resolution, at least where we stand right now. Now, maybe I know there were talks about like, kind of like trying to reinvigorate some meetings or something like that. And maybe a week from now, we'll have a clearer picture, but it doesn't feel that way. And Mm -hmm. I'll also say this, and again, trying not to be too hyperbolic in the moment, but this seems like this could be a bigger disaster for the sport than 1994 because 1994, they had a lot more room to fall baseball in terms of popularity. um, Baseball's popularity right now is already in a weird spot because it's so regional. Um, It's so, it's still, as you know, does very well at the regional level. National Mm -hmm. popularity is a bit different. And if it takes another huge hit and comes back in a, and it kind of looks fundamentally different, whether that means expanded playoffs or, or whatever,
0: I think this could be worse than 94. I really do. And what I also would worry about is what they would do to try to reinvigorate it, right? I mean, besides the fact that we've already proven that they don't seem to have any idea of what idea I mean they'd be probably like 20 team playoffs or something like that but (laughs) I feel like that's I mean we have danced around for 30 something years not as much lately but definitely back in those in the 80s and 90s Faye Vincent and stuff like that danced around what they called radical realignment right taking teams you know just really kind of ignoring the National League and the American League and just kind of start shifting people willy-nilly which they could do especially with the the dh everywhere but it you know it really ruins a lot of the history that the that baseball has which has been one of baseball's strongest selling points i think in there in its whole thing it's the comparativeness and the you know the way to really be able to compare that's history but you know there's there's that there's uh, i mean there's expansion teams which would, could be cool for a while but then you do wonder about you know over expanding the product would they do too much probably because it costs money um you know, if if they dig themselves quite a bit of hole, I don't trust them not to keep digging, uh, thinking that they're trying to get out.
1: No, I, I don't either. Um, it's... I, I, you know, when you said like, you know, what's what's baseball gonna do to to kind of like reinvigorate the fan base? All I could think of was like they'll just have another weekend where they wear zany jerseys and you know get to put <laughs> nicknames on the back, uh,
0: um, and they'll play two games at the Field of Dreams. <laughs>
1: right. And the funny thing is, all of this could cease to matter two years from now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with 94, everyone always talks about Maguire and Sosa kind of bringing it back. But I don't quite remember it that way. Um, I mean, that certainly helped. But I I think about Ripken. um, Yeah. You know, that was well before that. And I think about the Yankees winning the World Series in 96. No, I really think about the Indians-Marlins World Series, the Cleveland-Marlins World Mm -hmm. Series in 97. Um, That that Game 7, which obviously the the season before Maguire and Sosa, that felt like to me baseball. That felt like it, it. didn't feel like the sport was suffering while I was watching that game seven. It felt like I, I was a freshman in college. Everyone uh, in my floor in the dorm was watching it, um, hanging on every pitch. Um, now, granted, McGuire and Sosa certainly did not help. I mean, certainly did not hurt by any mm-hmm. any stretch. But I, I think it's also a fallacy to say that like that's the only reason baseball became popular again, because I think it was kind of already working its way back. Um, and so maybe that's kind of a lesson that look, people need things to do and people like to, you know, fill, fill their time with things they love. And a lot of people love baseball. And so even if people are really annoyed with a work stoppage, once baseball comes back, it might take a little bit of time, but give it a year or two and everything's going to be fine. That could be the case here as well. I really don't know. It just doesn't feel it's I'll say this. It's the worst I've felt about the sport um, maybe in my lifetime.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. It could, I mean, if they were able to figure out a way to, you know, you know, of course they haven't been able to do it yet, but you know, to, to get, you know, Mike Trout and um, Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto and all those kind of guys, you know, front and center and get people attention. You know, maybe that, maybe this doesn't cause long-term issues, but you know, I just, I, I know friends of mine that have told me Quad numerous times, they were big, huge baseball fans till 94. And then they never, you know, never watched the sport again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that there's a lot of those, but there's some and, and, there's some people that got burned in '94 that may say, "Hey, I'm not doing this again," because um, I don't. You're right, Ripken in '90. You know that was later that you know in '95 that he set the the streak. There's nothing like that on on the horizon. I mean, it would. I mean, just to just to get national attention, you'd have to have somebody. I think you'd have to have somebody challenge DiMaggio's record, uh, hit 56 straight, um, to get people to to even to cut through a lot of the noise out there and become the national story that, you know, McGuire and Sosa were that Ripken was, um, instead of just this, you know, kind of even just sports story. Um, I think that would, cause I don't, you know, home runs don't do it anymore. I mean, not after the steroid era and stuff like that. I
1: I was about to ask you, um, post bonds breaking, I guess both McGuire's record and then uh, Henry Aaron's record. What's the closest thing baseball has had to a statistical thing that everyone followed? Um, I I, I can't even think of one. Uh, And and the funny thing about bonds is no one seemed to even really enjoy that when he was doing it because a lot of people didn't like Barry bonds. Uh, it, whereas it didn't quite feel that way in 98 was Sosa and Maguire. Um uh-huh. I, I have slightly different feelings about the Bonds thing. Uh, I, I think Bonds is a huge jerk, um, or you at do. least was a huge jerk. He seems to have mellowed a bit in his older age. Um, but But it was still amazing what he was doing. But yeah, post-Bonds... When was the last time baseballs had anything like that? I'm trying to think of something. Like, would would Cabrera's run at the when he did the triple crown? Does that count? I feel like no one even really cared.
0: No, because I think there's a lot of baseball fans up. I mean, I don't. That just kind of was on the fringes of me. You know, I mean, I I knew that he did it, but there wasn't a. I think I don't know that year if I even realized he was doing it until late the season. You know, like. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it, it kind of already shifted to like who cares about the Triple Crown? Mike Trout is better,
0: right? Yeah. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, it of kind too. of already
1: turned into like, well, that's nice, but no one cares about RBIs anymore.
0: <laughs> sort of right. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of that. Um, no, I can't think of anything. Cause obviously, no, no batting, and no, stuff, no, but no one's, gonna no,
1: no one's going to be batting four hundred anytime soon. No one's going to. I, I mean, the, the idea of winning more than 24, 25 baseball games in a season is just not
0: um, like hard enough to win twenty.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 we're talking about pitchers' wins, which no one really right.
0: Um, also, for good about. reason, right.
1: uh, you know. Although usually, if you're winning twenty-five games, it's hard to argue you're usually having a very good season. Kind of, you yeah. know, th- th- there are only a very few Kent and Bottenfields <laughs> out
0: there,
1: and he didn't even win twenty-five. Um
0: oh, he won sixteen, didn't he? Is that it? <laughs> okay. 16 or 18, I think. Okay. It was for 20. Reason,
1: for some reason, I thought it was 22, but that seems like a lot. Hold on. That would seem that like a lot.
0: I, now Maybe I'm wrong. wrong. I want to look it up because I'm probably wrong. But, um, but yeah. I really yeah. can't
1: think of anything that has captured baseball from a. Uh... Okay, he went 18 and 7.
0: Yep, 18 and 7. So. There it is.
1: Uh, yeah, with. Uh... Oh, man. Yeah.
0: And you got Jim Edmonds for him. Yeah, Jim. Baseball's Edmonds. different now, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, for real. Um, but in and I don't know if that's just uh, a, a coincidence or if that has to do with um, the fact that we just don't quite care about sports anymore. I mean, what would be what would be a record that would have to fall? That would fall. That would really capture the nation's attention because obviously 61 and 755 were those big ones Mm -hmm. um and they don't exist anymore and 73 and gosh what did bonds end with 762 okay those numbers just for whatever reason don't have the same sort of
0: Um. mystique they didn't have the chance to build up either. Oh, and Meguiar's did either. I mean, Meguiar's, you know, three years later, they break that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe in a number of years, but I think there's just so much baggage around that um, that, it, yeah, I don't know that it ever gets that level. In fact, you wonder if nowadays, if somebody broke 61 but did it, you know, quote, quote, clean, as far as you could tell, if that would make a bit of a a, more of an impact just because it wouldn't have the stuff around it well i think i
1: would say i think also the fact that bonds hit 73 which is just such an absurd number Yeah, such a high number that it seems just implausible that anyone would ever break it it's it's like will chamberlain scoring 100 points in a game that like okay look that's the record all right but, but so we don't have to think about this anymore no one's breaking that like the right. idea of someone hitting 74 home runs in a season seems just not possible and so maybe that kind of almost whereas 61 always seemed even though you know in the 80s With an exception of 87, you know, people were barely sniffing 40 home runs. So it did kind of seem like out of reach. Um, But Kind of like it it does now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But it was at least seemed somewhat like within the realm of possibility. But 74 or, you know, someone hitting, you know, mid-70s, no. That just
0: doesn't seem possible. Because, I mean, you hit 50. And you hit 50 was a big deal back then. But if you hit 50, like Prince Fielder did. uh, Not Prince, Cecil. Sorry, I said said that wrong. Um, You know, you're then like 11 away, which is still a good gap. But you're within shouting distance. You know, you hit 50 now and you're 23 away. I mean, you've got to like, you know, another half of your (laughs) to do that.
1: You would need another at least six weeks of of baseball to to even have a shot at the record. And, And if I recall, when Cecil hit 51 in 90... He yeah. was the first person to hit 50 home runs since like George Foster <coughs> in the late 70s.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, it, it,
1: it had been yeah. a while. Like, you know, even in the the juice ball year in '87, had uh, yeah, two guys, Dawson McGuire hit 49, but even that year, no one, no one hit 50. Uh, so that was a big deal.
0: What year did Brady Anderson hit 50? Like, or did he hit? He hit, 50? He hit 52. I want to say
1: that was 90. Four? gosh that seems early No. it see.
0: was it was 50 and 96 96
1: okay why did I think it was 52 he hit 50 okay I don't know. and never yeah. if I recall he never hit more than 24
0: nope. after that hit tw- you're right he hit 24 uh, three years later that's his second high career Heck high yeah. but yeah he hit 16 on one side 18 on the other side yeah that doesn't look suspicious at all <laughs> Um, but you know, but then again, I mean, not, not saying that it wasn't, but I'm also saying baseball's weird, you know, those things happen. I think Davy Johnson was kind of a similar type of thing and I don't think anybody thought he was on. Yeah.
1: I think a perfect defense of Brady Anderson on like the, like this wasn't legit or he was like using, you know, some sort of performance enhancing drugs is that is the fact that he only hit 16 the year before and 18 the year after that. Like, well, why didn't he use these? awesome drugs the next year or, or or the year before that, like sounds like, you know, he didn't sound like he got like in trouble or, uh, you know, caught. He sounds like he should have kept taking them.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure. I know we like to talk about how steroids are this magical thing. I don't know that they quite work that way. It's like, you know, you get a shot and boom, you're ready to hit, you know, don't, don't know that it works that way. Well,
1: definitely. Like if I took steroids, I would still be terrible. (laughs) Uh, but I, I I do believe, and I'm not, I, I think That's Mark McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he was one of the greatest home run hitters uh, ever, uh, mm-hmm. and the stats bear that out. I, I, I'm sure, I, I think giving him with the talent that he already had, the sure. hand-eye coordination he already had, the bat mm-hmm. speed he already had, and giving him a uh, Performance-enhancing drugs that would allow him to stay on the field longer or make what whatever, whatever it did, I'm sure it certainly helped him in some degree. Now, I, I would always love to know how many home runs he would have hit in 1998 had it not been for any other sort of s- substance in his body. Uh, you know, we'll never know. Maybe it would have been 70. Maybe it would have been like 35. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I think with McGuire – It would have been interesting if you could say he would stay healthy because i think that was legitimately part of why he did that was to try to stay healthy Uh, because you know he hit 49 as a rookie um if he's healthy Mm -hmm. uh, you know i think he could have been in that you know 50 or 55 range just with his natural ability so yeah add to it and then you get 70. so um but anyway we have spent over an hour complaining about baseball. So, that's, but you know, when they lock us out, they don't get to do us much else. I do want to maybe end on a different note. As we all know, uh, my regular co-host, Alan Medlock has taken over as a high school baseball coach at uh, Tulsa Hill um, and had their debut this week. Uh, lost six to one. Um, he does tell me that it was two to one and they had bases loaded, nobody out and didn't get a run in. So um, just like the Cardinals. Yeah, so absolutely. often uh, three straight strikeouts was a, was a tough thing. He's got a lot of guys that haven't played a lot and I think it's going to show, but uh, he's got four games this week and next Saturday um, he's taken his team and they're playing on the field of the Tulsa drillers. So that should be fun for him. Um, we'll try to update as we go along this season, and I know Alan will give us lots of uh, lots of information whenever he's available to be on the show. But uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I did, he didn't tell me. He said they got good pitching. I don't know when he went to the relievers if he if he went to them at the right time or not, Alex. But I think we can assume that he didn't, and we need to yell about it.
1: Yeah, you well, uh, he, he maybe left the starter in too long. like did a Mike Matheny. Um, situation or something like that perhaps um, well I will say this uh, that is awesome for Alan that's really cool that he's doing that uh, He's someone just when I would listen t- to you guys talk that I could tell just has like a very good like natural feel for baseball um, he he would notice things during games and talk about it on on your podcast um, that I just simply would not notice and so I always felt like I was learning from him just by listening to your show. And I'll also say that I really hope baseball comes back soon because I, I just realized like, I'll I'll take the Cardinals having the bases loaded and not scoring and being (laughs) mad about it for an hour later. um, I'll take that over no baseball.
0: That's true. Cause at least if you're mad about that, it hopefully in later on the next day, they have a chance to redeem themselves, but less able to do that when they're not playing so all right well alex thanks for joining me uh i know you're a little bit rusty it's been a while since chirps has gotten out there but uh you couldn't have told it you you seem like you were mid-season form already well
1: (laughs) well thank you uh as always for having me on i love this show just for a quick update tara and i have spoken and we do plan on Starting chirps as soon as there's an announcement that actual baseball is going to be played. So once that happens, we should start recording again. But until that, we'll probably be on hiatus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Tara's been pretty busy. I think this week we're supposed to pick up uh, a gateway that we – but we haven't done that in a, a couple of months, and I'm sure it will not be weekly either until there's some stuff to actually talk about. So hopefully that will be soon. Hopefully they can figure out how to you know get something done very, very quickly and we can get back to talking about baseball. But until then, until next time, that's Alex. I'm Daniel. Good night. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's a winner! That's a winner! A World Series winner for
1: the Cardinals!